The 1930s, Chinese spies, Japanese spies, beautiful sets and cinematography, and more twists in a pretzel factory are the backdrop of the latest spy movie, Cliff Walkers. This is Tom Pizzotto from Spy Movie Navigator, where we're cracking the code of spy movies. Join me as I take a no-spoiler, quick-fire look at the new movie, Cliff Walkers. This Chinese movie held my attention, and I liked it a lot. Now, there's three things to talk about up front. First, this movie is not widely distributed. In fact, in all of the Chicago area, I only found three theaters showing it on the opening weekend. It was made in China, so the language is Mandarin and there are English subtitles. I'll talk more about the effect of this in a bit. And then third, this movie is unrated. There are some fairly brutal torture scenes, so in my opinion it would likely have gotten an R rating had it received a rating. These scenes make the scene in Casino Royale with Le Chiffre, James Bond, and the rope with the knot on the end of it look like child's play. Now, I didn't see anything in it that would warrant an NC-17 rating. However, maybe I missed something that the censors wouldn't have liked. So maybe they didn't apply for the rating because of that. Or maybe Chinese films just normally don't bother going through the rating system. In any case, this is not a movie for a preteen. In China, this movie opened on the May Day holiday weekend which usually yields a big box office. It had very high ratings and reviews in China. For the first day, it came in second in the Chinese box office behind a youth romance movie called My Love. However, it gained speed and has passed My Love to securely take the May Day holiday box office crowd. Since we're doing this as a quick fire, I'll be careful about spoilers in this podcast. I'm pretty sure most of you haven't seen this movie, so I don't want to give it all away. This is a period piece that takes place during the 1930s with the Japanese occupation of Manchukuo. It takes a Chinese point of view and we see some very severe torturing and probably war crimes in the treatments by the Japanese of the captured Chinese. There are at least five outright executions. This movie is also dedicated at the end to all of the heroes of the revolution. In this movie, the Japanese are evil and the Chinese were right. There were quotes from the Communist Manifesto, but lots of movies take similar viewpoints to set the tension. So there is a slant to this movie that could be called propaganda, but not done in a way that it just jumps out at you. Now the director, Shang Yimou, ran into problems with the Chinese authorities with his previous movie. They wouldn't let him release it. There weren't any problems with this one. It's more on target for the Chinese message. The high-level plot is a fairly basic espionage story. We have a team of four Chinese agents dropped into enemy territory to try to extricate somebody being held by the enemy. Now, the cinematography, the acting, and the plot twists make it one to watch, in my opinion. Other U.S.-based reviews I've read are a mixed bag about this movie. The plot is a bit confusing, but I enjoyed the movie as a whole. The four agents parachute into a densely wooded forest in the wintertime. The movie is beautifully done with the cinematography, and the sets enhance the film a lot. This parachute scene is especially beautiful. Actually, throughout the movie, the use of snow is very well handled. One reviewer commented that it almost feels like we're looking at a snow globe. The director, Zheng Yimou, is known for his brightly colored movies like Hero and the House of Flying Daggers. This movie is a departure from that. It's dark, it's wintry, it looks cold, and it works very well. The purpose of the agent's arrival is to get to the town of Harbin to extricate someone, although to be honest, the first time I watched this, I never saw the extrication attempt. It's possible they had shown it, and I missed it while reading the subtitles. And I'll talk more about that in a second. I believe that if you're watching a subtitled movie with lots of plot twists, you should watch it twice if you can. 
once to read the subtitles and try to catch as much of the action as you can, and a second time to flip that and focus on the action with less emphasis on the words. That's what I did for Cliff Walkers. I watched it a second time four days after my first viewing, and that helped a lot. I had missed a line from the movie in which they set things up about the extrication and made me understand why I missed it. I don't call this a weakness in the movie, but rather I think it highlights my weakness of not being able to understand Mandarin when spoken, and thus relying on the subtitles. The other concern that I have about subtitles is that it takes longer to identify the different cast members while reading and not hearing a name pronounced. Especially early on, it was hard for me to tell who was who. There were very heavy coats and big hats making it difficult for me. Initially, everyone was outside in these very heavy, ornate coats and hats. You didn't see much of their faces. It made it hard for me to see who was who. This is a concern mentioned in many of the reviews I've read about Cliffwalkers. All of that said, these costumes really are wonderful. They're mainly dark colors, helping set the dark winter mood of the movie. The costumers added subtle differences in the costumes for each character, which once you realized it, helped. Another way the costumes were used for great effect was that while the costumes are done in dark colors, they're often covered with snow. This effect is striking, and it's another thing that adds to the beauty of the movie. It's done consistently throughout, and it looks really great. Again, I don't want to include any spoilers, but this movie has a lot of twists, so you have to pay attention. After these agents land in the forest, we found out that the enemy knew they were coming. Thus, we know we have a mole, there's probably a double agent, now, this is a trope we see played out in many, if not most, spy movies. The concept of parachuting four people into enemy territory is something we saw back in the 1965 movie, The Heroes of Telemark, which showcased the real-world 1943-World War II operation called Operation Gunnerside. Some other tropes we see in this movie that we've seen in numerous spy movies include things like a spy versus spy on a train with an excellent close-quarters fight on this train. We've seen this in movies from From Russia with Love, Mission Impossible, among other spy movies. This is a good fight, but I'm not sure it ranks up there with my favorite fight scene ever, James Bond fighting Red Grant in From Russia with Love. But it is, as I said, a very well done fight. The movie relies on spies' heavy use of code words or recognition words. I like how they use code phrases and even had books with different code phrases. I'm sure you remember the code phrase, I love you, from You Only Live Twice. This movie's code words aren't nearly as campy as that, and they bring out a feel of real cloak-and-dagger work. There are also double crosses and triple crosses, and we see this trope in many spy movies. You have to really pay attention, as I mentioned, to keep up with all the twists in this movie. Another trope we see in many spy movies is the planting of an object to implicate the wrong person, and this was done really masterfully in this movie. I really like the way they did that here. Much of the movie is spent with these agents trying to figure out how to stay low, not get caught being in town, because again, somebody knew they were there. They had to hide until it was time for the extrication. The acting is very well done. Two performances that stand out for me are the actors playing the Manchukuo sector chief, who's on the Japanese side of the conflict, and the character Zhou. The sector chief is uncredited, but played by Ni Hong. An interesting twist here is that the bulk of the movie is supposed to be taking place in Harbin, China, which is Ni's real-life birthplace. Zhou was played by Yu Huei, and he carries many parts of this movie with his performance. He's very, very strong in this role. So the main plot of this movie is for these agents to be able to extricate this person. Now, two of the four parachuting agents are a married couple. There's a subplot around them that I didn't really think needed to be in the movie. It involves some children. 
I don't want to give that part away, but I think it detracted from the movie. This is a spy movie. There are lots of twists. It's dark. And then there's these kids for this subplot. It didn't work for me. Now, possibly it's a cultural thing, and it might play better for a Chinese audience than it did for the Chicago-based viewer. I wish I knew more about the Japanese occupation in Manchuria before seeing this movie. I'm sure there were contextual pieces that I missed because of my ignorance to that scenario. If you can find this movie in a theater, and that can be a challenge, I recommend you see it if you're a spy movie fan. I think it would be best to see it on a theater's large screen rather than trying to stream it on a laptop or tablet if and when it becomes available for streaming. In China, this was also released on IMAX and broke sales records for IMAX there. This movie would look wonderful on IMAX. It is a beautiful movie. So that's our quick-fire look at the newly released movie Cliffwalkers. This has been Tom Pizzotto from SpyMovieNavigator.com. You can find this and our other podcasts on your favorite podcast app in our show called Cracking the Code of Spy Movies. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, too. We hope you found this discussion helpful. It was a fun movie. Thanks for listening.